Hey, welcome to Spiritual Gifts class through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session one called The Foundation for Spiritual Gifts. And in this lesson, we're going to be looking at what spiritual gifts are, what they're for, and what they're not, and also how to receive them. It's important that we do that because really when you think about some of the things in Christianity today, there isn't many things that are more controversial than the issue of spiritual gifts. Across the body of Christ, as you know, there are many different ways of looking at this topic. But what we want to do is we want to go into Scripture and look at the various passages that define and describe these gifts and go through them as, as best we can in order to really exercise them, not just know more about them, but exercise them. So I believe this class will be very, very helpful. In this lesson in particular, we want to build a very strong foundation so that we don't have controversy or confusion, but we have clarity and direction as a result of how it is that we go about receiving these gifts and then using them so that it benefits the body of Christ and the world around us. Something interesting that the Apostle Paul said when he was speaking to the church at Corinth, the Corinthian church, in his first letter, 1 Corinthians, this church, as, as you might know, was a church that was, had received spiritual gifts. They were walking in the things of the Spirit. But Paul confronts them because they were misusing what God had given them in the precious blessings of spiritual gifts. He says this to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. He says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Some translations say unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant or unaware. Now, he wasn't speaking to whether or not they believed in spiritual gifts. They obviously did. He wasn't talking to them about... Um, necessarily some of the definitions and descriptions or whatnot because they were walking in the spiritual gifts. They were ministering by the Spirit, but they were misusing what they had received. So he's saying to them, I know you understand some of this. I know you've received these, but I want you to not be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to get the point of what these are and why you have them. And I think the same could be true for some of us maybe that don't or are not walking in the things of the Spirit, or we don't understand spiritual gifts, the same could be, could be true. We don't want to be ignorant. We, we don't want to be unaware, regardless of what side of this that we're on or what place we are in the spectrum of receiving and walking in the gifts of the Spirit. Paul would say to us, and I believe the Lord's saying to us, I don't want you to be unaware. And so that's why we jump into this topic and seek to lay a very strong foundation so that we can obviously go about ministering in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, up front, I want to give you some principles that I think will help you as you not only seek the gifts of the Spirit, but you seek to minister by the Spirit. And the first principle is this, what spiritual gifts are. We want to define what spiritual gifts are. And a spiritual gift is a God-given, and I would actually say supernatural ability, imparted to a follower of Jesus to serve others. And I want to say that again because it's really vital that we get this. A spiritual gift is a God-given supernatural ability imparted to a follower of Jesus to serve others. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 7, which says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, the way these work, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, each one of us is given the manifestation. That word manifestation can mean expression or evidence. It's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. It's the expression 
of the Spirit, not, not us, but of the Spirit working in and through our lives. And that's given for the common good. In other words, we receive these gifts not for ourselves, but to carry them in order to give something to someone else. It is for the common good because that's what the Spirit is all about. That's what the Lord is all about. He's about ministering to His people. He's about ministering to the lost. And so as we carry the mission of God, we also are, receive the, the tools that we need in order to strengthen the body of Christ and reach people. So spiritual gifts are God-given abilities imparted to followers of Jesus to serve other people. What spiritual gifts are not? We want to give you this principle, what, what they aren't. Spiritual gifts are not talents. A talent is a special natural ability that you're born with. Some of you may, maybe were born with a musical ability. You have certain talents that when you were very young, you discovered whether it's singing or it's playing musical instruments or problem solving. Sometimes people have a certain kind of mind where they can just solve problems and other people have, uh, it takes them a little bit more to do that. So whether it's the way you think, it could be more mathematical, um, it could be more calculated, or it also could be more artistic. We all have natural talents, but those are not our spiritual gifts. There's a very clear distinction in the Bible from these kinds of things. And so you don't want to use language that would somehow suggest that your talents or someone's talents are their gifts because they're not the same thing. Now, all things are a gift from God, but when we're talking about what spiritual gifts are as defined in Scripture, these, we must separate what these are. So we all have talents. Um, I'm not musically inclined, and I can't, no matter how hard I try, I'm not going to have a good voice. That's so obviously we know that there's a difference. Now, spiritual gifts are also not skills. A skill is an ability that comes from acquired knowledge and experience. When I was young, uh, my dad had me basically, um, he, he dropped my brother and I off at a house over in Seattle, and he gave us a couple of four-inch brushes, five, gallon, five gallons of paint, and he showed us for about five minutes how it is that we painted a house, said, see you at lunch. You know, so I was a really young man and I didn't know what I was doing, but over, that was my beginning point of learning how to paint. And from there, I painted houses and interior and trim and molding and doors. I don't love to paint, but I acquired a set of skills. I learned how to do that over a period of time through experience. It's not something that I felt talented to do, but it's something that I learned to do and now I can do. Now, you can't hire me and I won't come to your house, but it's something that I know that I could do at my own house. And you have those as well. We all have skills, but skills are not spiritual gifts. And it's important that we have an understanding of spiritual gifts, natural talents, and skills. And we, we know there's a distinction between those. Now, I also want to give another principle, and that is what spiritual gifts are for. And there's four things that I want to um, tell you about that I think Scripture says that spiritual gifts are for. And the first is to equip the body of Christ, to equip the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus, and he says this in verse 11, and he gave some, this is Jesus, he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So Paul here is saying that there are basically leadership gifts. Some people would call these governing gifts, which we will talk about. They're called ministry gifts in, in, this le in the lessons that are to come. 
He says they're apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And these are given to men, uh, to men, women, in order that, that these men and women would be gifts to the body. And the whole purpose of God giving the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher is to equip the rest of the body of Christ in order to become who they're called to become and exercise these kinds of expressions of the Holy Spirit, evangelism, prophecy, and whatnot. So the prophet, his job is not just to prophesy, his job is actually to primarily equip the body of Christ for the work of prophesying. The evangelist isn't just called to stand on stages and do crusades, primarily his job is to equip the church to evangelize. And the pastor, the same thing. The pastor isn't just here to pastor people through tough situations, but his job is to pastor people in order that they would be equipped to pastor those in their sphere of influence as well. In other words, these gifts are given to equip the body in order to do works of service that reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see that here from Ephesians chapter 4. The second uh, thing that spiritual gifts are for is to encourage the body of Christ. Romans chapter 1, where Paul is speaking to the church at Rome, he says this in verse 11, For I long to see you that I might impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, yours and mine. Paul's talking about this concept of impartation, which we obviously believe in and we'll discuss. But he's saying, I want to come to you and I want to impart some spiritual gift that as you receive, you'll also be able to encourage me. In other words, spiritual gifts, not only in this passage, but in actually other passages, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, we see that spiritual gifts encourage the body of Christ. They strengthen the body of Christ. And we know that we need more encouragement. We, we have an encouragement deficiency going on in the church today. It seems like we're more down, we're more depressed, we feel less qualified. We can't do what God's called us to, to, to do. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit impart kind of like a sense of energy. I know it's a, maybe a new age word, but just the God-given energy to say, I can and I will. And if more of us functioned in our spiritual gifts, I believe that the body of Christ would rise up and step out like never before. And so we want to obviously see this purpose come about to encourage the body of Christ. The third reason, or the third thing that spiritual gifts are for is to exalt Jesus Christ. That would be to exalt Jesus Christ in the world around us everywhere that we go. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11 says this, As each one has received a special gift, you'll want to note that that's past tense, employ it in the serving of one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. And another translation says the oracles of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength with which God supplies. So that in all things, God might be glorified through Jesus Christ, to, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. In other words, everything that is done in, the, in, in terms of spiritual gifts, God gives us these gifts. And as we minister to people, whether it's in the church or outside of the church, May it be done in such a way where it reflects the person of Jesus Christ, who deserves all glory. We want to exalt Jesus, and when we minister in His power and His nature, it shows the world around us that there is a risen Christ because He lives through His people. That we are the body and He is the head. And as He ministers through us, we see that it exalts Him because people see our life 
and they say, how in the world could you know that or do that or why would you do that? And it reflects a loving God who gave his son for all people and it's why we do what we do. And so we need spiritual gifts in order to exalt Jesus uh, in the world around us. And the fourth thing that spiritual gifts are for, at least in our lesson, is to extend the gospel of Jesus Christ. Obviously, this is the case, and God gives us tools for the mission of preaching the gospel to all creation and making disciples of Jesus Christ as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 23. In chapter 14, he's talking about tongues and prophecy specifically, but he's emphasizing the power of prophecy and what prophecy can do as a church gets a hold of the revelation that they are a prophetic people. And he goes on to say that this is what will happen when a non-believer encounters the prophetic gift in a body of believers. He says, therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and an ungifted man or unbeliever enters, will they not say that you're crazy? Of course, they'll, they'll say that because they don't understand what's going on. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all and he is called to account by all and the secrets of his heart are disclosed and he will fall in his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. Now, I don't know what churches are having this kind of fruit in, in, in the days in which we're living, but it's certainly what we want. We want to see people encounter a living and loving God. This is what we are after as a people. And what this passage shows us is that when we function in the gift of prophecy, what that will do is it will cause the secrets of people's hearts to be laid bare because we couldn't know those things except by the Spirit of God. And it shows how alive God really is, that he, they're encountering Him through a body of people just simply ministering in what He gives. We want that to happen more and more and more. When people encounter, they fall on their face and say, God is among you. Isn't that what we want for the church? People come to our churches on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever they come. And as they come in, as the body of Christ is receiving and ministering what God has given, people encounter that and they go, God is among you people. I, I've never seen this before. I've never heard anything like this before. How could you know these things? Why would you say these things or do these things? That is what spiritual gifts can do. The power is to, is to bring alive the gospel of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, because he lives in us and he lives through us by his spirit. It's incredible. This is why I see spiritual gifts as a need, is to extend the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I prophesy to people outside of the, the church walls, it's amazing how people say, are you psychic? And I say, I'm not psychic. I'm just connected to Jesus and I hear his voice and I'm able to talk to them about the gospel. I call this an on-ramp to the gospel, that all of the gifts of the spirit out in the world as we minister to people, they are an on-ramp to the gospel where we can tell them the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and share with them how he has changed our life from the inside out. It's a very powerful, powerful example here in scripture of what spiritual gifts can do to extend the gospel. Clearly, we need the gifts of the Spirit for the church to strengthen one another and in the world to reveal that there is a living and loving God. We need them. It's not negotiable. I want to encourage you and exhort you in this topic that we need these gifts. We need the Spirit to flow and function through us. They're not tools uh, or they're not toys, but they're tools for the mission. As God's given us His mission to preach the gospel and make disciples these become those tools to accomplish the very thing that he has set us out to do. And as 
all of us are God's kids, we all receive these gifts. It's not just for um, some of the spiritually elite among us or just the leaders. It's for everyone. It's everyone gets to be, get off the bench and play in the game. And that's what this lesson really is all about. It's to lay that foundation so we understand this really well. Now, another thing I want to talk to you about in this lesson is how do we receive spiritual gifts? I think that's really important. And we want to answer that question because there's several answers, not just one. And the first way I would answer that question from Scripture and how we receive spiritual gifts is we receive spiritual gifts sovereignly. God sovereignly gives gifts. This isn't the only way we receive them, but it's definitely an important scriptural way that we see that God gives gifts. He sovereignly chooses what to give and whom to give them to. We see this in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, where, where Paul says to the Roman church again, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Each one is to exercise them. Now I could stop right there, and he goes on to talk about what they are. But we have received according to the grace that was given to us. We didn't get to choose. It wasn't like a, a think tank. We didn't get to sit around and counsel with God on that. He's just simply saying that we have received gifts. And it's according to the grace, the unmerited favor of God, which he understands. The, in other words, the purposes of God is why he would give certain gifts to each one of us. He knows what to give, why to give it, when to give it. He knows exactly what he's doing. Obviously, he's in charge of his plan, and he sovereignly uh, touches us and gives us these various capacities in order to complete his mission that he's also given to us. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, which I've already read, says something similar. He says, as each one of us has received a special gift, there's this indication that we have something, we need to discover it and then employ it. As we, as we seek to learn more and more about it. In other words, you have it, why don't you, you need to discover it and then use it according to um, what you have and minister accordingly. So we see that gifts are sovereignly given. The second way we receive spiritual gifts is that gifts, gifts are situationally given. Now this is something you have to contextually understand. Not everybody would under, or not everybody would know this or not everybody would agree with this, but gifts aren't just sovereignly given, they're also situationally given. As we go into the lessons in, in the later weeks to come, you'll see how we'll talk about manifestation gifts, ministry gifts, and motivational gifts. Manifestation gifts we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 all the way to 14. And this is where Paul talks to the church at Corinth and he explains to them, he says it four or five times, he says, when you gather, this is the way that you ought to behave, or this is the way that you ought to minister. He gives them sort of a context that when you come together, when the body of Christ assembles, this is the way that you should conduct yourselves. And that's an important context because he's saying in 1 Corinthians 12 specifically that the Holy Spirit is going to minister and he's going to distribute gifts according to his will in that meeting during that gathering. And so we can expect that if that's the case, that God can use us in any capacity that he sees fit because he knows everyone, he knows all that's going on, and he knows exactly what to give and to whom to give it. So we see this written in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says, now there are varieties of gifts, the same spirit, and there are varieties of ministries with the same Lord, and there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And here are the, here are the different gifts. 
For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith, he goes on, gifts of healing, uh, effecting of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, various kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And verse 11 says this, But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. And here we have the context of a gathering. If you can imagine a church gathering, Sunday, Wednesday, whatever, and the Holy Spirit, as we place our expectation on Him, and we are ready and, and willing to minister in what He gives, He'll deposit something into our heart or into our mind, and that we will minister that to one another. It's not just reserved for the people up here. That's what has happened, but that's not what this is talking about. That's not the context. The context is that there's a group of people that understand God can use anybody. And that's what we have to come back to. We have to realize that Scripture contextually doesn't always have the same setting that we often find ourselves in in modern church today. And I don't know how to fully reconcile that with you or at your church, but that's what Scripture talks about, is that everybody can minister. The Holy Spirit gives to everybody, and it's situational. He'll give to this one a word of wisdom for a person that's over here. He'll give this one a word of knowledge for somebody that they're going to talk to and pray with in the back, or however it works. Could be a home group, could be a large church meeting, doesn't matter. The point is that the Holy Spirit distributes as He wills, and it's situational. The same would be true in the world. If you go out into the world and you're at the grocery store or you're at the gas station and you're just expecting God to give you something for another person. You realize he gives gifts for the common good. You're asking him. You're intentional about it. You know that God's going to show up in ways more and more and more in your life. And so here you are standing in front of the clerk at the grocery store and you just say, Lord, give, put gifts in my hands to give to this woman, to give to this man. And the Lord speaks to you. He gives you a prophetic word. And now you just have the choice to give that or to not. But you were asking him, you were intentional because you were expectant that God will situationally give you what you need to minister to that person. It's amazing how God works that way. And he loves to give us gifts as we ask him, as we're intentional and as we're expectant. It's amazing how that works. So gifts are situationally given. You may not have the motivational or ministry gift of prophet or prophecy, but you can prophesy according to the Holy Spirit. So in this regard, it's not about what you have, it's about who you have, and we need to understand that at, at our foundational level of spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts are also received through impartation. Now, it says this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Paul says to Timothy, "...until I come, give attention to public reading of Scripture." to exhortation and teaching, do not neglect, neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed or given to you through the prophetic utterance and the laying out of hands by the, by the leaders of the presbytery. Paul's saying that there was a time, Timothy, where we laid hands on you and we prophesied over you and there was a specific prophecy of a gift on your life. And he's saying, don't neglect that. You need to actually press into that, step into that, exercise that. And this is how you received it. It was impartational. It wasn't situational. It wasn't sovereign. It was impartational. And today in the charismatic world, I I'm, would identify myself as a Pentecostal or as charismatic theologically and uh, practically as I minister in, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But you find today a lot of conferences, a lot of places, even a lot of people would 
kind of propagate this idea that you can just stand in line and receive their anointing or something like that. And I don't actually think it quite works like that, although there are times where it can and it, and it does. But I think we kind of can go overboard with that and that we're trying to get everybody's anointing and maybe people are really just lining up to feel something. I, I don't really fully know. God knows our hearts. But here we have a man of God, and we have his true son in the faith. And he's saying, when we laid hands on you, when the leaders laid hands on you and affirmed you and we prophesied over you, there was an impartation of a gift. I just don't think that impartation is always super cheap. I think that as we, see, as we set ourselves to receive from God and we set our hearts and our minds in an intentional way where we, we seek to receive this, but we also commit ourselves to follow through and to act out what God has given us, we find that the Lord will deposit something in us and want to minister through us. We find that to be the case. I have seen that many, many times as I've laid hands on people. I've actually had the same thing happen to me where someone has laid hands on me and I've received a deposit, an impartation from the Holy Spirit through someone as they laid hands on me. I believe this happens. It just doesn't maybe happen as often as people line up for it or as people talk about it, but it definitely is something that we expect, expect we believe for, and we understand scripturally that happens. Impartation is very, very real. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, the second letter from Paul to his true son in the faith, he says something similar to what we just read. He says, for this reason, verse 6, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. There again, he talks about, I laid hands on you, you received a gift, I want you to fan that gift into flame. Don't neglect it, but fan it into flame. Use it, exercise it, maximize it. This is very important because it's part of your ministry. And so, I mean, Paul takes time to tell his true son in the faith that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are meant to be used. You can't just have it and, uh, and put it on the shelf. You need to use it. It needs to be something that's regular. If you can imagine like a toolbox, I have a huge toolbox. I got all kinds of tools. There are some tools that I probably never use, probably never will use. Don't even know why I bought them. Don't know why I have them. There are other tools like a screwdriver, a hammer, whatever I use regularly, I use all the time. And this is what Paul's saying is that you have been given this gift. Don't neglect it. You, you need it. Use it. Use it regularly. We have gifts in our life. We can't just put them on the shelf and know that we have a tools in the toolbox, but we need to take those tools out and use them. And you might say, well, I mean, just in this metaphor, like, hey, all my projects at my house are done. But guess what? Your neighbors are not. And so there's always projects to do. And that's the point is that we have tools. They're not just for our own projects. They're not just for our own house or our own person. They're actually for us to take those tools and to go use them where there are projects that need addressing. They need to be things that need to be fixed, worked on, built. We go to other people's homes. We go to other people's lives and we give them what God has given to us. That's, that is how this works. And you can't find a time or a region or a city or a town where there isn't projects, there aren't people, there aren't needs, you won't find that. And so the more we involve ourselves and embed ourselves into others' lives, the, the more we will call on God for what He gives because we will see those needs very, very real in our context. And so we have gifts are sovereignly given, situationally given, and gifts are imparted. And the fourth and final way that we receive gifts of the Holy Spirit, our gifts are pursued. And this is probably the, the debatable one, um, if there were to be a debate at all. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we've already read several of the verses, but at the end of chapter 12, Paul says this, verse 30, 
All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? And it's a rhetorical question. So he's making a statement using a rhetorical question. He's saying all don't have gifts of healing, do they? And the answer is no. They don't all have gifts of healing. But then he says in verse 31 something very interesting because people have used those verses to say, see, I don't have to speak in tongues. See, I don't have the gift of healing, so I, I, when I pray for the sick, they actually get worse or whatever. They use, we, people use these passages to say, we don't have these gifts, we don't minister in these gifts. Other people are more spiritual in those areas. I have the gift of hospitality, even though I don't like people coming over to my house or whatever. Anyways, people say stuff to get out of it, to make excuses for it. But verse 31 says something that almost looks like a contradiction, unless you get it. He says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, and now I'm gonna show you a more excellent way of being. Earnestly desire the greater gifts. In other words, all don't have this gift, do they? All don't have this gift, do they? All don't have that gift, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. I want you to pursue uh, these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Even if you don't have, not everybody has them, you don't, great. I want you to pursue the greater gifts for the common good. I want you to go after this. Isn't that amazing? He gives an invitation after what seems to be a limitation. He gives an invitation for us to pursue and go after what God is giving in order for us to minister to people. It's amazing. He says the same thing right after this chapter 13 on love, which is the way, follow the way of love. And he says this in verse four, uh, chapter 14, verse 1. He says, Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. There he says it again, same exact thing. Pursue love. The love is the way that we go about um, helping, serving, and blessing other people. This is, this is how we do what we do. But what we do is defined more by what we have. And he's saying, follow the way of love. In other words, everything that you do, do it in love. Don't neglect either the character of Christ or the power of Christ. He says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. Do you earnestly desire spiritual gifts? Do you desire, do you want spiritual gifts in your life? Do you seek spiritual gifts in your life for the right reason, so that people would be blessed and strengthened and God would be revealed? Do you do that? Is that, is that a desire of your heart? Do we do that daily? Do we do that weekly? Do we do that at church services? Do we do that in the grocery store? But he says earnestly, it's an exhortation, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. There's an invitation to pursue. And this is where I would say this to you, is that you and I might not have all of the gifts, but we have an invitation from Scripture to go after what God is giving. And we would do that because we're following the way of love. I like to call spiritual gifts empowered love. That's what I think of when I think of spiritual gifts. We can love people, we can serve them, we can bring them meals, we can sit with people. All of that is important. But when you have the power of God, and that's what someone truly needs, that only comes from the Lord. And that person can be ministered to by more than just whatever it is that we bring in the natural. We also bring something in the spirit. And so we want to have both. We want to follow the way of love in our presence and our person. And we want to follow the way of power in ministering the life and the power of God through the gifts that he gives. These are the four ways that I believe gifts are pursued, or I'm sorry, gifts are received. And uh, before we close our, our lesson, I want to talk just a little bit about what I'm calling the myths of the gifts. There are many myths that are out there because there's been a lot of teaching 
on spiritual gifts. And I would actually say there's been a lot of wrong teaching. One of my goals in, in not just this lesson, but the sessions ahead in this class is to, is to demystify the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's to activate us in faith because all of the gifts are ministered by, through faith. It takes faith to believe that the gifts are, are real, they're for us, we can have them, we can minister in them, and God will meet us as we step out. It takes faith to believe for them and to step out with them. And so we'll talk about that, but my goal is to demystify these gifts, but it's also to activate them. I wanna see God's people moving in what the Spirit gives. But I think there are myths that we have, I would consider them lies, that are kind of built up against uh, the, our very activation and ministry in what God gives. And so I wanna just highlight a few in this, in this lesson. Number one is only spiritual leaders have spiritual gifts. Now, not everybody thinks this, or even deep down they know better. We know that everybody can be used of the Lord. We believe that, but, we, but we're not. And so we allow for this, uh, basically like the MVP, the all-stars of Christianity to be the spiritually gifted people. And this is just not something that should be. It's, it's to a total myth. And people would say, well, that person's an incredible teacher or evangelist or whatever. And, and we think like, well, they've been given that gift. It's very apparent. Well, there are different levels of gifts. There are different levels of anointing. And that should not dismiss or, or disqualify us from what God has given to us, even in the measure that he's given it to us. We need to be aware that God gives different kinds of teaching gifts. He gives different kinds of exhortational gifts. He gives these. And so we want to make sure that we don't put it all on the leaders or those that seem like they have um, the greater anointing. That's just a straight up myth and it's a lie and it disqualifies us and it shouldn't at, at all. Number two is everyone has all the gifts. I hear this more and more today. Like everybody has, everybody's a prophet and an apostle, evangelist. It's just not true. I would say to you, there's, there's sort of a both and approach that I take to this. And, this, and that is this, you, you have a leaning in a ministry gift, which we'll talk about, I think it's session four. Everybody has one motivational gift at least, and everybody can minister in the nine manifestational gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We learn what those are and we learn to minister in those as the Holy Spirit distributes. And so you don't have every gift, you have the Holy Spirit who has every gift, but we don't, not all of us are an apostle or a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That's just not true. Not all of us have these motivational gifts in Romans chapter 12. I think there's eight of them. That's, that's just not the case. But we all can minister in what the Holy Spirit gives to us situationally for his purposes in someone's life. That's true, but it doesn't mean that we carry that resident gift with us everywhere that we go and function normally by it. I always like to say to people that you know that you have a resident gift in your life when you don't have to ask God for it. In other words, I've, I've known in my life that I've had the gift of prophecy um, from early on. I'd never asked God for the gift of prophecy. I never had to pursue it. I didn't have an impartation for it. It's just something that as I was born again and filled with the Holy Spirit that I recognized I had. It was like a, a faucet that was already turned on. I would actually have to turn it off, not listen, not use it, and that, and, and that kind of a thing. In, in order to ignore what God had given to me. It was like a, t a faucet that's turned on. I, I would also say to you though, everybody can prophesy in that the faucet may not be turned on, but you can turn the faucet on 
and ask God intentionally for a prophetic word for somebody and he'll give that to you and you can give it. But the difference between somebody having a resident gift and somebody ministering in that gift of or just using prophecy as an example is the faucet being on or you having to turn the faucet on. It's just a metaphor that I use that I think is kind of helpful. But everyone doesn't have all the gifts and as we distinguish and give some, uh, give some distinction to the different kinds of gifts, you'll find uh, just how this really works. Number three is miraculous gifts were only given to authenticate the apostles' message and ministry. Theologically, this is called cessationism, and I'm a continuationist, which means I believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I still believe that there are apostles today. I don't believe there are direct apostles of Jesus because there were only 12. One gave his life in suicide, that was Judas. But we do believe that there are apostles today, there are new kingdom works, there are new churches to be planted, new ministries to be started, new regions to be reached. There are new things that God is doing and the apostolic ministers are those that break ground, they're pioneers, they're the ones that are going over the mountain. And we see that there are still all of the gifts functioning today and throughout church history. So for somebody to say that gifts are only given in the first century to authenticate the direct disciples or the direct apostles of Jesus' message and ministry is just kind of a weird thing because the Bible never actually says that, number one. And number two, we still need all of the things that the gifts are for. We still need bodies to be healed. We still need prophetic words. We still need the prophets and apostles and the pastors and the teachers. So what you'll find is cessationists or people that believe the gifts are done away or certain gifts are done away, is they find a way to still think we need pastors and teachers and evangelists, but not these other things because we have the Bible. Well, the Bible are the words of God, but it's not the activity of God. It's the truth of God. But the activity of God is enacted through the power of the Holy Spirit. The scriptures tell us what that is, but the Spirit makes it alive in how we minister. And so to believe that somehow gifts are done away and they were just for the first century is, uh, is a theology you have to already believe um, and you can't find it in scripture. You have to read it into the Bible rather than see it in the Bible. So obviously that's a myth. Number four is it's wrong to seek spiritual gifts. Now this sounds really spiritual and humble, but it's really not biblical. In other words, people will say, well, let's seek the giver and not the gift. Let's seek his face and not his hand. Well, the Bible says earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. The Bible invites us to seek God for spiritual gifts, to seek them, to ask for them, to be intentional with using them. That's not wrong. It's wrong to seek glory. It's not wrong to seek gifts because gifts are given according to scripture in order to minister to other people. That's a good thing. When my son asks me uh, for money because he wants to buy a $5 popsicle from the popsicle man that goes through our, through our um, neighborhood all the time, I'm not inclined to give him money for a $5 popsicle because he doesn't need it and uh, that's really expensive popsicle, amen. But when my son asks me for money because he wants to buy some food for somebody that doesn't have food, as a father, I'm inclined to give him what he needs. I give him what he needs so that he can give that to somebody else. I love that, I'm drawn towards that. And the father is that way. Spiritual gifts are that very thing. It's where we ask God to give us something in order to give it to another person. It's not the gift, he doesn't give me the gift of healing to be healed. He doesn't give me the gift of prophecy so I can see for my own life. He doesn't give me the gift of a word of wisdom so I can be really wise or the, or the word of knowledge so that I can know things in my past. I already know things in my past. He gives me those gifts for other people. And so when I ask the Father for something that he has for another person, the Father says yes and amen. He wants us 
to minister to people because that's his heart. And the more we function in his heart, the more we will receive from him. That's, he's always thinking, he's, he's, he's thinking about us. He wants us to think about others. And we're co-laboring with him when that's the case. And so when we think about um, not seeking spiritual gifts, I think people are, are, what they mean by that is we shouldn't seek glory or we shouldn't want power for ourselves. Well, they're not the same thing. Just because one person seeks spiritual gifts for the wrong reason doesn't mean we shouldn't seek spiritual gifts. That just means we shouldn't seek them for the wrong reason. And that's what Paul was correcting in his remedial letter to the Corinthians in uh, 1 Corinthians. And so you can seek spiritual gifts. Do so for the sake of other people. Don't seek glory. That would be wrong. And that's what I think people are trying to say when they say that. Number five is spiritual gifts aren't necessary now that we have the Bible. That's also a cessationist comment. It's not true. The Bible highlights uh, the call of Christ. The Bible highlights the plan of God and the Spirit enables us in order to fulfill it. Spiritual gifts are a part of that. So that would be a wrong comment and different theological perspective. Number six is those that have more dynamic or supernatural gifts are more spiritual than others. This obviously is not true. We've seen a lot of men and women fall who are very, very gifted. And we try to deny that they were gifted or that somehow it was a false gift. It's actually, it's actually not true. There are a lot of very gifted people who have very little character in their life. And so you'll see this, God will give the gift and a person can minister that in power and yet their character underneath it all is eroding. And so this would be a concern and, and even a warning is that you can minister in gifts. You can minister in the power of God, it just takes faith. But growing into the character of Christ, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that's what takes our entire life. That's what dying to selfishness is all about. That's what it is to just follow the Lord with utter abandon, surrender, all or nothing kind of lifestyle. There are people that want to be seen or to be known or to feel and look spiritual. That's not what God is after when we talk about this. It's not what we're after. And so we need to know that you can minister in power, but that can't validate your spirituality. Your true spirituality is loving your neighbor as yourself. Your true spirituality is to pray for your enemies and to forgive people. That's true spirituality. But spiritual power is to accompany the mission of God as we seek to reach people in the name of Jesus. And so they are ultimately the reflection of Jesus, but we wanna have the name of Jesus and the nature of Jesus and the power of Jesus flowing together. And that would ultimately bring greatest, the greatest glory to God. Uh, number seven and our final one is spiritual gifts operate in everyone at the same level of intensity and accuracy. I've already told you that's not the case. There are two things I would say about this. Number one is that gifts grow in our life. And I think um, the church needs to be a place that's very safe for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to grow. I meet people at times where they say, well, if you have a gift of prophecy, if you really have that gift, you're going to be 100% accurate all the time. That's the way that that's going to work. And that's just kind of a crazy idea because we're learning how to hear the voice of God. We're learning how to interpret the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he gives us metaphor and there's lots of interpretation of visions and dreams in the Bible. You can make mistakes. You can get it wrong. You're learning and you're growing. And that shouldn't be a standard that we set forth in the church, that if you're going to minister by the Spirit, it better be at Jesus level overnight. That's just crazy. If anybody who would ever get up to teach thought that I have to be at the level of Jesus in order to teach, nobody would ever minister. And so we can't like 
put off other gifts as though they need to be 100%, but the gift of teaching, we have a level of tolerance for people to grow. No, we need to have this growth understanding in all of the gifts of the Spirit, and that's how we'll see a vibrant church rise up into maturity where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are doing what they're supposed to do. It takes a mature body that, that has a, a tolerance for things to grow and to develop. And it's very important that we encourage that kind of environment in order to see these things happen. I, I think if a person were to ask me, why don't we see more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I would say, I, would, I think it's because it ha they have to have the right environment. Oranges, I live in Seattle, oranges don't grow in my backyard. It's not the right temperature, it's not the right climate, it's not the right environment. But if you go to Florida, that's where they grow because it is the right temperature, climate, environment. So certain fruit can't grow in certain environments. And so for us to see the gifts of the Spirit grow, we need to have the environment that's conducive for the growth that we're after. And I think a lot of churches don't have that, don't know how to do that, how to set that kind of culture and that kind of uh, the place and space for this to happen. But we want to do that more and more and more, which is why we're having this conversation. But spiritual gifts don't operate the same in everybody in the level of intensity or accuracy or whatnot. They grow in our lives, number one. And number two, God just has different purposes with different people. And so you'll see that some gifts are going to grow and, and be at a different level. And that doesn't make them more spiritual. It just means that for his purpose, he has that. And that's the way that that is. So these are some of the myths about the gifts. And we want to make sure that we don't believe lies because those might be a barrier to us receiving and ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to bring light to that and make sure we close some of those, those doors. And before we close, let me just encourage you, as you set yourself to understand spiritual gifts, I want to encourage you to a fresh hunger for the things of God. And I want to do that so that we focus our energy, our prayer, uh, our heart towards people. Spiritual gifts, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they're for the common good. And as we set ourselves to love people well, God will give us power and enable us to do that in a way that reflects Him and reveals Him to people. And that is what we want. That is the whole purpose of this conversation. It's why I'm zealous for spiritual gifts. It's why we're gonna spend nine weeks talking about them together. Let me encourage you toward that fresh hunger and even pray for that for all of you that are participating in this class. Father, I just thank you right now for everyone participating in the Spiritual Gifts class through Immersion Discipleship School. We thank you, Lord, for this emphasis. God, we thank you that you give clarity and you replace it, our confusion, that you, you take away the lies and you help us with direction and instruction from your word. And God, I just pray that you would demystify spiritual gifts in, in our mind and in our heart, that we could receive what you're giving and we could minister in your power. Lord, I pray for a fresh hunger for everyone, that we would be hungry to be used by you for the sake of others, and that other people would see you, other people would come to know you, and they would be hungry for you as well. So I thank you, Lord. I pray you bless your people. We thank you for this. Let us receive your gifts and minister in your power. In Jesus' name. Hey, God bless you guys. I look forward to our next session together. Yeah, I will build my life. Oh.